What is going on, everybody? It is Mike. Welcome back to Network Podcast. Today is Tuesday, February 8th, and I'm joined by my co-host, Holden DePardo. We've got a lot of Apple news and rumors to talk about, Holden. How are we doing today? Doing great. Happy to get into it. Yeah. Holden, you know, how is the weather by you? Is is it like, I know you guys had a snowstorm last week, right? Yeah. We got two feet of snow almost. It was oh really, really bad. But it, then it rained the next week and it's almost all gone now. Oh, wow. So two feet of snow is pretty, that's a lot of snow. So I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it turned out fine. It wasn't that bad considering. Considering, right? I'm assuming Florida did not get it as bad. No, no. There was actually a light <laughs> snow, light snow in Florida. But actually, so two weeks ago, it was really cold. It was like 35 degrees. Like that's cold for here. People are like, what mm-hmm. is going on? They had no idea what to do. <laughs> The grocery stores were emptied because it was 35 degrees. The apocalypse is coming. You're exactly right. People are like, they're buying cans of soup. They have bottled water all gone. Toilet paper has been gone for months. They really, I mean, <laughs> they, don't, they don't know how to handle it. Uh, I they think they even Dallas. Got, it was the same oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like how people have like, they don't know how to drive in the snow. I mean, it's even like when you live in the Midwest or, or even like mm-hmm. the West, like that first snow, everyone forgets how to drive and they're like, oh my God, what do I do? I, do I pump my brakes? Do I you know, just slam on them? What, what do I do? What's going on? You know, it's just, I don't know. That's, uh, that's, I think yeah. uh, the Midwest, Midwest might coming out here. It's scary, but also a little funny. It's a little funny. <laughs> and you're like driving, you're like, you're, you're yelling at people like, what's wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he know how to drive? You know what I mean? You, they get all <laughs> mad and like, what is he doing? <laughs> it's just a little rain. You know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's you know, the thing is here, people here in Florida, no one uses their turn signal and it makes me so angry, so angry. Are they all BMW drivers? What is What do you mean? <laughs> Dude, you, you know, so uh, have you ever been to Las Vegas? No, never. So the thing about Las Vegas and here, which which kind of a, they re- remind me of each other, is that there's so many people coming to like South Florida and Las Vegas that are from all over the world and they don't have the same customs for driving. So when they do, you have like these people who are like, you know, no one uses their turn signal. You know, people just, they blow through stop signs. It's just like, it's so common of an occurrence here. It's frustrating as as can be. (laughs) No joke, no joke. (laughs) So let's get talking about news and rumors. So like I mentioned, it's February 8th and we have the second beta of iOS, iPadOS 15.4, macOS 12.3. And there's a lot of goodies in here, Holden. So let's talk about that first. So kind of recap here. Are you running the beta on any of your devices? I only do betas during the summer when it's like a, you know, major 0.0 update. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a fool and I run the betas every time and I run it on all my devices. Matter of fact, I'm running it on my <laughs> my 16-inch MacBook Pro. But your I'm doing it for the- love you. Yeah, my batteries love me. But I'm doing it for the people, Holden. If it wasn't for me, like, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have anything to talk about. So come on, you got to give me some kind of props here. <laughs> um, so what's new in 15.4 is, I, I'd say, the most prominent feature is an extension of what we saw last year. It's being able to unlock your iPhone with a mask on. But the now the new thing is that you don't have to be wearing a mask. So new in 15.4. Uh, sorry, yeah, I'm wearing a mask, yeah, wearing an Apple Watch. So today, if you're wearing a mask, it uses the secure authentication between your Apple Watch and your iPhone to unlock your device. Now you don't have to be using your Apple Watch. Sorry, now you don't have to have an Apple Watch on, which is actually kind of nice, but it's a little bit less secure. So there's always that 
trade-off of security and convenience, maybe to think about mm -hmm. it. It seems like a good feature. I think what's different here is instead of measuring the geometry of your face, it's measuring, I think, more so in the eyes and the nose. Uh, you're looking at me point at my finger or point at my eyes with my fingers. For those who are listening, it might sound strange. But yeah, so it measures that. I'd say it works well. I've tried it a few times. I obviously, uh, I have an Apple Watch, but it seems like it's a, it works very well. It's not as mm -hmm. accurate. And what's also new is you can wear glasses now with a mask and kind of give it this an additional, I guess it takes an additional data point into consideration when authenticating you. I'm glad that it's here, but I hopefully I don't have to use it much longer because I'm really sick of wearing a mask, just to say that. Any <laughs> any thoughts there, Holden? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, I wear the mask because I have to, but absolutely sick of it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, not, I know. Yeah, not 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 fun. It's funny because when they announced the feature last year with the Apple Watch iteration of it, I'm like, oh wow, this is releasing kind of late because you know, we're probably not going to have to be wearing masks much longer. And uh, boy, do those words not age well at all. Um, so it's it's nice to see. And it's funny because I got so used to using that feature that when I would watch, you know, a YouTuber talking about, you know, like an iPhone 13 review, for example, and they're like, oh, Face ID is great. But, you know, when you're wearing a mask, it doesn't work that well. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Not everyone has an Apple Watch. Um, so it's nice to see that feature come to other people. My question is, with the Apple Watch version, you can't use Apple Pay, which makes sense. Correct. Is that true of this version, too? I have a hunch that it's not true that you can use Apple Pay because it really just is Face ID. Mm -hmm. You're correct. You, you can you, you can use Face ID. You can uh, sorry. You can use Apple Pay. You can use uh, it for authentication within apps. So all of the secure features that work with Face ID today without a mask work in tomorrow's world with 15.4 when you're wearing awesome. a mask. So it's more robust where it allows you the ability to, you know, obviously wear a mask and still unlock your device and use it for authentication, but it's a little bit less secure. So there, again, there's a trade-off of security and convenience that we all have to deal with at this point in time. I'm okay with it because I always have my iPhone in my pocket or, you know, very close to my person. But I think I would suspect that some people might not be okay with that trade-off. But what are you going to do, right? You got to take one for the rest of the team. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. There are exactly. bigger things in the world. Yeah, there are. What is also nice is, we talked about this, uh, universal control. So universal control, which I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on yet, but I will. Uh, you'll probably change my mind on that one. So universal control is out here in the beta. You have to be running it both on your iPad and on your iPhone. But universal control is a feature that allows you to use your Mac's sorry, to use your keyboard and mouse from one device to control another iPad. So for example, I can use my keyboard that I have here, which got this new one here. You can use this keyboard and my mouse to control my iPad that's right to the right of me. And there's this like very kind of clever discovery process where all I do is move my mouse to the right edge of my screen and all of a sudden it's on my Mac. Like it gives me this little contextually aware, I call it glyph, that says, hey, are you trying to control this? And you just push through and it starts controlling your other device, which is actually really cool. But I don't know what the use of for it is. I don't know. I know we've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. You were very optimistic, I would say, about the feature and how you were going to use it. Maybe can you refresh my memory? What do you think it will be useful for? So at the time, I've, I've changed a little bit on this because of, I'll explain. Hmm. So at the time, and I think it's still true for many people, I use my iPad as a content device. So like I might be working on something on my Mac, but I have YouTube opened up on my iPad. Yeah. And it'd be kind of nice just to, oh, I need to pause, just drag my mouse over 
and pause and play and do whatever I need to do on the iPad and go back. That would be nice. However, ever since I got my MacBook Pro, I have been, I haven't touched my iPad. I use my MacBook wow. Pro for way more things now because the battery lasts so long that mm-hmm. I can kind of use it as my, oh, I'm going to listen to YouTube while I work on something and just kind of keep that on a different screen. And it, it works great because I have just the battery life will last that much longer. So I haven't been using my iPad at all. But what I can still see a use for it is is using it for Notion maybe and mm. maybe doing something for school where like a common setup for me is I'll have like Visual Studio opened up on my big monitor. I'll have like um, the website for my school opened up on my laptop screen and then maybe mm-hmm. I'll have Notion opened up on the iPad and I kind of go back and forth there. That might be useful, uh, although I mostly use my PC for school stuff because of Visual Studio. Only sometimes can I get away with using the Mac version. But in those cases, like, I can see using that. But it's definitely more of a niche than I was expecting because you texted me about this and kind of mentioned how you don't know if you're the target audience or not. And I thought more about it, and I'm like, yeah, I actually don't know what I would be using it too much for. But I definitely understand that it's a really cool feature to have. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it seems like it's like, oh, wow, like, like maybe the um... – the demonstration of the features, like oh, they can they can use your you know whether it's first party or third party keyboard and mouse to just move over and start controlling your uh, your iPad. Like I guess what I, where I'm thinking, and maybe it's just kind of me narrowly thinking of my use case. Like my iPad is almost always inside of a keyboard case, and I know not everyone has a keyboard case, but if it's not in a keyboard case, maybe it's in a stand. What are I guess I'm trying to think what's how someone is using it if it's in a stand next to their desk? Are they using it like what you said for content consumption? Are they doing something else? What I thought was maybe this is like a, this is a kind of way of Apple thinking about spatially controlling other, uh, spatially controlling like some type of mouse in AR or in augmented reality. Like thinking about that maybe, you know, with the glasses, like if you were using the mouse and like you want to use your eye to track something and you could like maybe push across from one one device to the other. But like that's pretty far fetched. <laughs> I mean, I'm. A- I think you're onto something there because, like, let's say one of the things, that, one of the use cases I think would work for universal control. And I'll tie this into what you're talking about with AR. I think it's directly related. Is let's say you're working on a project uh, or something, you know, graphic design wise in your iPad, and you want to bring that over to your Mac to maybe put it in a website or something along those mm-hmm. lines. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you're drawing something out and you put it out into the under the um under the Mac. But what if you wanted to present in a 3D model you're making in uh, for an AR project or for a video game or something like that? You could take that file on your iPad and then drag it into the display for augmented reality, like your glasses or this you know headset that's coming out. You could I think that actually might be something that that could work is like using it as like an extension of universal control. I hadn't that's that's interesting. Yeah, it, I guess what else is interesting is that you can use your Mac's keyboard to control an iPad. You can control your Mac with your iPad keyboard or the touchpad, but you can't use your Apple Pencil from your iPad. You know, like I can't, I couldn't sign like a document, like I couldn't, um, you know, use my Apple Pencil from my iPad to sign something with, uh, like in like a signature app, like a PDF or to use it to draw or something. So I, I didn't know if that was like maybe just me misunderstanding what it would be used for or something that, you know, that use case is not necessarily, um, applicable. It's, I mean, it is interesting. I think it's interesting that you can you can also use it Mac to Mac. So I can use universal control on one Mac to control another one. So like if you had, uh, 
uh, the Mac Mini, right, and a MacBook Pro, you could use it to, you know, the same keyboard and mouse for both devices, which is actually kind of nice. Yeah, if if it works, I, I'm curious how smooth that is, because if this rumored monitor that's coming out later on this year is really like $2,500, the cheapest Mac monitor you might be able to get for dual use is just another iMac. Yeah. With universal control. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's also like another uh, another aspect of it, like where you don't have to purchase the same app for multiple platforms now. So like you maybe could use it like TweetBot. TweetBot's a good example where mm -hmm. it's a subscription model on your iPad or iOS and iPadOS, but it's a paid app on the, the desktop, I think, if I'm not mistaken. You can only buy it once on your iPad and use it there with on your Mac kind of, you know, by extension because you're using universal control. That's maybe, I think, but I think that's a little bit more... Um, like way down the rabbit hole, like you're trying to cheat the mm -hmm. company out of some kind of money. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but what was uh, but what was really cool is like the file sharing. Like if I take a file that's on my desktop, on my Mac, and put it onto the uh, the iPad, it's like instantaneous. It's like super quick. That's 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 impressive. Yeah, yeah, and it's like almost um, almost zero lag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost zero lag. It's pretty cool. The the one thing where, which maybe we'll see probably like solve for later on, is if I have like I'm I'm so you're here, my MacBook Pro is right in front of me, and I have a monitor here, and my iPad is over to the right of me. But the Mac doesn't know where I put the iPad, so I can pick it up and move it. So when I push the screen to the right, if I move my iPad, it still thinks it's on the right, not, not that I've moved it on the left. You know what I mean? It doesn't understand mm -hmm. where my device is. Where there is a, a rumor based on some leaks in the code that ultra-wideband technology, you know, the thing that we find on the iPhone and AirTags is coming to the iPad and to Mac, which That's would be the interesting. U1 but chip? The U1 chip, thank you. Okay. But I don't, I mean, it's it's interesting, but I don't know how it would, like other than this kind of use case, I don't know how that would be uh, beneficial. Like people don't lose their iPad. It's not super small. Like, oh, I just lost, well, the iPad mini is kind of small, but <laughs> yeah. Could they use it for, I don't know, is, is you one in the HomePods or the HomePod mini? It's in the HomePod mini. Maybe it'd be used for like tapping to like hand off something from device to device maybe? Yeah, yeah, that would be that's a that's a really good use case. Like if a YouTube video you're watching or YouTube something in the now playing uh, your music or YouTube like something in the now playing section, you just tap and it transfers over to the device. Maybe. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I, I suppose there's probably a lot more uh, uses now that you're that you said that. Who knows? Well, you know, there's supposedly an event, uh, according to Mark Gurman, on March eighth, mm -hmm. which is just around the corner. It's like six weeks away, but we'll uh, we'll see. Hopefully. 15.4 should come out there. And if it does, you know, we'll uh, hopefully see some kind of further explanation of universal control in these other use cases. I do think it's interesting that this is really the first improvement we've seen to, what do they call it? Sidecar in like three years, right? It's got to be two yeah. or three years. Yeah. It's like they almost forgot about it or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a like, better oh, yeah, implementation too. Well, you, you can't use Sidecar. I didn't know this until until I you know start playing around with it. You can't use Sidecar and Universal Control at the same time. I guess that makes so sense. So you could. It does make sense once you hear. It, you're like, oh yeah, that does make sense. But like it, going into the conversation, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do these two things. I'm like, no, 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 that you can't because essentially Sidecar is like an app running on your phone when this other th when Universal Control is like an extension of your Mac's uh, peripherals. Yeah. 
Oh, so it's interesting. But is it interesting enough for you to download the beta and try it? That's, that's the question. For me, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You're like, this machine's production. I can't touch it. I can't yeah, I mess can't around with the machine. It. Absolutely. <laughs> I know when your dad tried it, he's had trouble with battery life. Have you talked to your dad? Is he having trouble still? Um, so I haven't, um, I haven't talked to him about that. I don't think he's doing the beta, but he was also using it because I thought that it was in a beta at that point. It turns out it wasn't in beta. He um, found a terminal command to activate universal control when they didn't include it in the beta yet. So he was using a oh, really, wow. really early version of it. Yeah. He kind of hacked his way into getting it, I guess. But nice. um, yeah, so yeah, that was like not planned for release at all. So the problems that were there were definitely not something that Apple was proud of. Okay. Okay. Well, I am interested to see where it goes and see how this next uh, six weeks, these next three or four betas kind of turn mm-hmm. out for us. Hopefully it ends up being a better performer than, or not better form, better, more useful than it has been. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. What else is new in 15.4? Oh, we have... The ability to disable shortcut notifications. But thank you. Thank you, somebody. <laughs> Whoever it is, thank you very much. You now can disable the shortcut notifications when you run a shortcut. Oh, my God. That's so annoying. It was the most annoying thing ever because I I have a lot of automations that run throughout the day for, like, changing my wallpaper, my home screen, and my Apple Watch face and all this different stuff depending on depending on the time of the day. And to get like a notification, like your wake up shortcut has played, your bedtime shortcut has played, your work shortcut has played, your turning off work shortcut has played. It's like, I don't need to know. I looked at my home screen and I knew it. It happened. I, I didn't need to know. It's so annoying. It happened. It is really annoying. Really, really annoying. I'm glad that they're fixing that or they're, they're removing that. It must have been more complex, like some kind of like legacy code when they bought shortcuts. Like, I, I don't know, because it seemed kind of weird that you just couldn't turn it off. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. seemed more involved than me, you know, just, okay, like, hey, Holden, just flip that button right there. No one's going to get notifications anymore. Like it seemed like more involved. Like why didn't they do it sooner? But I, I'm, I have the suspicion that maybe they just didn't, they thought people would want to know that. It I mean, was give, give me the option then. Yeah, I agree. It could just be they got it wrong. I don't know. Like it's just, oh, it was, it was aggravating. It was so annoying. This might be worth upgrading to the beta for. It might be. It might be. So I thought when I read it, I'm like, oh, wow, those are two things I want. Universal control. Like I wanted to test universal control to understand Mm -hmm. kind of the the value proposition of it. And I'm like, oh, the short, the shortcut notifications, that's got to get turned off because that's (laughs) like, I I, I don't think you and I are even like that big of quote unquote shortcut nerds. Like there's Mm -hmm. probably people who are like far more involved with shortcuts or invested. And they probably like, oh, this is the bee's knees, right? This is ridiculous. (laughs) What was the other thing coming to iPad or iOS and iPad OS that was worth mentioning in this conversation? Go ahead. Uh, I don't. I don't recall anything. Uh, maybe the it was the digital wallet stuff. Was that in there? That oh, so earlier? the digital wallet stuff is the digital ID where you can uh, Apple's. You know, I learned this just recently that the state of Florida does have digital ID. Oh, it's just geez. not inside. Not inside of. Um, it's not integrated into wallet yet. But I thought it was interesting that they're already supporting it. And I think that we'll hopefully see that in the next, uh, in this release as well. Did you happen to see the news today about Apple supporting, is it person to person, sorry, person to business uh, credit card payments with the iPhone? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I didn't put it in the notes, but I, I do think it's interesting that there is this, just like last year, there is this kind of future commitment of saying that they're going to support something later on in the summer. If you remember or if you recall, 
they added the gestures for the Apple Watch. Remember, they announced it like really early and then they yeah. came out right before WWC. And it's the same kind of thing where, you know, you're uh, where they're announcing the features early. But I do think it's interesting that the person to person tap to pay with the Apple with the iPhone, but not with the uh, no iPad because there's no NFC there. I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, considering a lot of businesses would probably want to have an iPad as, at the register than just the cashier standing there with an iPhone to accept payments. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. There was that rumor that they were going to build it into the Apple logo. They're going to have like a bigger glass Apple logo on the back of iPads with like NFC payments. So I thought about this today. And so what if MagSafe, or I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go like real kind of left field here. What if MagSafe on the iPad functioned like MagSafe on the MacBook Pro, but instead of using the charging pin connectors, oh, sorry, instead of using the charging, um, the MagSafe charger, it used the, the smart dock connector on the back of the iPad. Interesting. I don't know what the limitations are and how much energy you could input on a smart connector, but that would make more sense than putting a hockey puck on the back of your iPad and make more sense than having like the same exact MagSafe charger as a MacBook Pro. Because then you would actually solve two things, right? You would solve the you would solve the use case where I have my iPad and I need to charge it, but I want to connect it to something else. Like today, if you if you're not using a Magic Keyboard, there's no way to charge your iPad unless you put it in a, in a like a, a Thunderbolt dock or a USB C dock, unless it's connected or once it's connected to chart to power. I thought that would be interesting because it would it could possibly give them like a new avenue to sell some other type of accessory like a dock that we, you know, they're, um, or to license docs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of rumors around the iPhone SE, which we've talked about, iPhone SE and the iPad Air 5 making its way into the hands and hearts of people near you this coming March. You know, we talked about how, you know, the iPad, sorry, the iPhone SE were not the target market, but I did think one thing was interesting. One of the rumors I read uh, was on, I want to say it was Mac rumors, where they're like, the iPhone's not going to include MagSafe charging. I'm just kind of like thinking about that. I don't know why they wouldn't include MagSafe like I th- uh, on this device, even from a cost perspective. That's just, it, like adding this accessory makes them more money. It's like them not True. including Bluetooth. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to keep costs down this year and they're not going to include Bluetooth or Wi-Fi modules because they want to make sure that they save money by selling you this low cost device. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird, like the the rumor mill where we don't want to sell devices with feature sets that bring us money. Yeah, maybe they don't think someone buying a SE would invest in MagSafe accessories. Maybe, but I agree with you. Like they should. It feels like they should incorporate that just to bolster the ecosystem and provide another reason for people to or companies to make accessories for MagSafe, as well as just have the option there for customers. Yeah, like I thought about it, like even the iPhone SE 2, the one that came out before, it has Qi charging on it. So like it's just, it's isn't it really just a kind of, um, what's the best way to put this? It's like an iteration down from Qi charging, right? It's just like another layer. Or it can't be that much least, more expensive. Just put the magnet in place. Sure. Yeah, keep it Qi charging speeds and all that. And just put the magnet there. Yeah. I don't know. So the i the iPhone pricing structure is really what I'm interested in. You know, where is the price of the iPhone going to go if they launch this new iPhone 13? Sorry, the iPhone SE, not the iPhone 13. For this device, I wonder how they would price it 
and where it would sit in the lineup. I mean, with the A15 processor at 399, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, especially for a potentially 5G phone as well. Yeah, what I thought was really interesting, and I don't know if I sent you this message, but uh, I was in Orlando about a week and a half ago, and they have the iPad Mini, which doesn't support ultra wideband, doesn't support the real, real rich ultra wideband like uh, the iPad Pro or the iPhone 13 Pro. The iPad Mini shows ultra wideband in that new C band deployment for Verizon. Mm-hmm. So uh, anywhere that Verizon has C band, which is, I think, um, uh, the, the 3000 megahertz block. Anyways, it shows ultra wideband, which I'm wondering they could still market the iPhone SE as a phone that supports 5G, quote unquote, ultra wideband, but it wouldn't be like the real premium ultra wideband because you don't get the ultra wideband speeds. You get like 100 megabits per second, 150 megabits per second, but nothing too fast. So just kind of, you know, thinking through this, they could still market this device as a uh, quote unquote device that supports 5G, but you would really never know the difference from a visual perspective unless you actually like ran a speed tests. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even here, like around my house where I don't live in a dense urban neighborhood, I live in, you know, in the suburbs, I get 5G ultra wideband just outside my community, which is really, that's new as of Verizon turning it up uh, maybe the, the end of last month or the beginning, yeah, the end of last month. So I don't know. Have you seen the ultra wideband um, visual indicator on your device? No, it's only available in a handful of streets in Providence. So I've never even been in the area, and because I've it's so it's so uh, scarce in Rhode Island, I I haven't even bothered adding it to the plan. It's just not worth it right now. Again, there, there's that two flavors of ultra wideband. There's that high super dense uh, ultra wideband which you see in the cities, and then there's that lower frequency. I think that's more widely available than what we've seen in the past. I still get that lower frequency without a 5G plan. The 5G plan, at least for Verizon, it seems like is just the ultra wide. So, but I haven't seen anything. It says 5G on my phone, but it's never shown the UW. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I definitely saw it. What do you think about the iPhone SE in terms of maybe where or how Apple could market this? Is it, I guess, is it anything of interest? Um, I, I mean, not, not for me. Uh, I think that not for you, even like thinking about recommending a phone to somebody, I mm-hmm. think I'd still recommend if someone's looking for to buy a new iPhone for cheaper, I'd still go for an iPhone 11. Hmm. I feel like okay. the benefits of Face ID outweigh having the A15. Okay. Because this is a budget like phone, like really. For, for an iPhone, at least it's, it's a budget iPhone. And I, I feel like hmm. the... You're going to get a better display on an iPhone 11. I'm pretty sure it's better display. Or is it the iPhone 12 that has the OLED on it? It might be the, you know, it's the iPhone 12 has the OLED, so never mind. Either way, I think you're, you're still getting a bigger screen. You're probably going to get better battery life. I can't imagine that an SE that already doesn't have great battery life is going to get better battery life when it's a 5G device. Hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see what the value is compared to the older SE compared to just getting an, an, an iPhone 11. I'm not sure if I would recommend it. Yeah. But we haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. Like, it could be incredible. Yeah. I mean, I could have it in my pocket. So the iPhone SE today has single camera, LCD, 4.7 inches, and Touch ID. So 
they would have the iPhone 12. What's available is only the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 mini. Those do not have the Retina or the Super Retina, the Super Retina displays like the iPhone 12 Pro did, right? They don't have the. They have an OLED screen. I know they have the more pixels. I don't know if there's a different. They have a higher pixel density than the 11, but I don't know if the 12 and 12 mini lack contrast or anything like that. I think it's the same display as the 12 Pro. You mentioned the camera though. If you're getting a one, if you're getting one camera on the SE, you're going to get two cameras in the iPhone 11 for $100 more, and the Face ID, which is an already now a vastly improved front-facing camera over what's in the yeah. SE. So for that reason as well, it still feels like the 11 is a better deal. Hmm. So we have the iPhone 12, the iPhone 11, and the iPhone SE 2, uh, 5G. So that so that you're getting a, a better radio or better cellular connectivity. You're getting two cameras versus one. Bigger screen as well. Okay. Yeah, bigger screen. So I think you're right about the display. This does have the Super Retina. The iPhone 12 does have the Super Retina display where this one does not. This one, sorry, being the iPhone 11. You're getting a newer processor, but maybe that doesn't really matter for someone who's buying the iPhone SE. Uh, No, Face ID. Okay. Ceramic Shield, which I don't think works. MagSafe. So it's... Oh wait, compare uh, what MagSafe chargers. I think it's it's still kind of strange that uh, about that MagSafe. Let's see here, what else? Super Retina. Oh, so it's a liquid Retina here on the iPhone 11. Liquid Retina, and this is just Retina. Pixels 460, 326, 326. Wow. When did the second generation SE come out? Is it 2019? 2020. Oh, it was 2020. Okay. It's a two-year cycle. Yeah. Two-year so cycle. Two-year cycle again. You mentioned the 12 earlier, yeah. and I think that's actually a good, it's good to bring up the 12 in particular because this will stand against the 12 in mm-hmm. terms of price. Like it'll be, I'm assuming the 12 will go down to 499 like the iPhone 11 is right now. You'll be able to get an, yeah. an iPhone 12, which is a significantly better phone than the current SE. It has the better display. It has the Face ID. It has the MagSafe. It has... It has the 5G built into it. It's it's just one processor down, which if you are – or one processor generation down. If you're a, looking for a low-cost iPhone, I don't think you care about having the latest processor. True. So True. I feel like an iPhone – iPhone 11, I think, is already a good deal compared to the SE. 12 is a much better deal compared to the SE. Yeah. Hmm. I'm wondering if they keep Touch ID. On the they SE? have to. On the SE3, yeah. They I have think to. there was, I've heard like a back and forth in this. There's been like rumors of it adopting the iPhone 11 chassis and therefore it would have, you know, Face ID and all that kind of stuff. But apparently that's not going to happen this time. That's going to happen next time. So in 2024, and this time it's just going to be the iPhone 8 design again. Hmm. It would be interesting if it had the iPhone 11 design, but if it had Touch ID inside of the, uh, the Fink or the smart with a sleep wake button, like the iPad Air 4 and the iPad Mini. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. It would be. Well, inquiring minds want to know, we have six weeks. Someone, like some super sleuth, is going to find the code inside of <laughs> inside of the uh, the betas and be like, oh, look what I found. We found the code for the iPhone SE 3. It's going to have the dimensions. So that'll be a nice thing. But otherwise, I don't know. Like Maybe my mom has an iPhone an iPhone 10 maybe? And I think she might be good for it because she doesn't care about the display. She just cares about having something that's 
small, compact, and you know a good camera to, to see her grandkids. That's all she cares about. Touch ID or any of that stuff. So this is not, maybe it would be geared for her. I don't know. I think basically it's one of those things where you don't think you want it, and then once you have it, it's really hard to even consider going back to Touch ID. Yeah, totally. Very much so. Very, very much so. Uh, anything else you want to add to the iPhone SE rumor mill? No. I mean, we kind of, I think, covered it all. But also, I can't imagine Apple spending a lot of time on the SE. But then again, they spent a lot of time on the iPad last time, or one of the like keynotes last year. So, would it be a product announcement, or sorry, like a, like an actual like unveiling, or would it be something? Would it be something where it's like a press release? I mean, there there's talks of it being uh, showing up at the March 9th event that German was talking yeah. about. That would be I don't know. I, I think it's weird, but they also did uh, show off the OG iPad um, update. OG iPad, that's the wrong terminology, but you know what I mean. The um, yeah, regular yeah, no, iPad, bland, boring iPad, that one. Hmm. I think the reason they did that because education's really not invested, but they're uh, they're point. excited about that, yeah. right? They sell a lot of iPads at education or the, at that iPad, and there's like nine people who buy the iPhone SE, all nine people. So I think I don't think there's anything else to add there. The one other thing I wanted to talk about was actually two things. The last time we talked, we talked about the AirPods voice quality. And you're like, oh, I remember when you talked to your mom, like, oh, voice quality was dramatically better. Yeah. Do you remember that conversation? So the first link here in the follow-up was Apple improved, quote unquote, quietly improved audio quality on the AirPods Pro, AirPods 3. So uh, remember I was talking about that. I wanted them to make better audio quality. They actually did that. It was kind of transparent. Mm-hmm. for not to be a pun transparent to people like you and I but they've already done that so they're already two steps ahead of what I'm asking for that's awesome <laughs> uh yeah that is awesome I'll never be upset about better call quality audio no and the other thing I just want to get your opinion on so it's the end of or the beginning of February and WWDC is four months away so what, is it, what do you think about whether WWDC is going to be in person or not hmm so let's Say there's this crazy hypothetical, right? Where okay. COVID is completely abolished and eradicated before WWDC, and they could hold an in-person event with zero fears that anything could ever happen. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really boring event compared to the high-quality production that they've been able to put on with these videos. Okay. I, I would rather have the video. You don't have any awkward stage presence moments. Not that Apple usually does awkward moments in their in their stage events, but I think you could. It'd be a much tighter show, and I think it also gives them more control over showing the product. Hmm. In the sense of, okay, how do we frame this to make it work on a stage? Versus, well, we can make a video, and that video can be anything. Like think about how they introduced the HomePod Mini. Where they had this whole like little home like set built up yeah. with all these like fake room, like they can do a lot more with it, and I'd like to see them continue with that. I just think it's a really good model, and hmm. I mean I follow the video game industry very closely. There's a lot of you know uh, digital events with the video game industry now, and they suck compared to what Apple does. Like there, there's just Apple set this ridiculously high bar, and no one can come close to it anywhere else from what I've seen. Hmm. Did you happen to watch Sony's event last week where they talked about, not Forza, but... Um, Ghostwire Tokyo? Oh, um, the other one, um, uh, Gran Turismo 7. Yes. I mean, which looks fantastic. It looks amazing. I actually haven't seen that one. 
So I guess all of the the not all of but the the last Sony event I watched maybe in December or November was really well produced. Yeah. And I totally get I totally get what you're saying regarding the the production value that they put into the videos. I think it is interesting that that maybe at this point in time they've they've already recorded the videos, right? If the event is in a month, you know, someone might already know what is the content of those videos, so I think that is interesting. I don't know. I I think I don't think that they're going to be in person. I guess mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be in person because I don't they're not requiring people to go back to the office That's at this true. point. Yeah. And they just like incentivized all their employees with like another um like a work from home bonus for $1000 to like, get the stuff at home. So, I don't know if that would be the case if they're not pe- asking people to go in the office, how could they ask people to go into a convention center and meet with people? Maybe there's like a hybrid event where they do this product, this live production or not live production, this uh, recorded video talking about all the events, but then they have people meeting with other people. I don't know who, I don't really think people want to travel. And I, I try to talk my wife about this because she's right now at a, at a convention, <laughs> but uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be in person. I think if they were doing that, it would probably be just kind of like, not bad PR, but like they'd be the first ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, E3 um, decided to cancel their in-person event for a digital one. So they're did they really? Getting, yeah, they did. What about Comic Con? Comic Con San Diego. Okay. <laughs> okay, a little prediction for WBC, but it, it's kind of it, it's it's relevant to talk about with what, what we're discussing. Um, I think that if this VR uh, or Apple Vision headset is for real. Uh, in terms of it's going to production pretty soon, all that stuff, I think we'll see it at WWDC. I think it makes the most sense to show it off there. I'm still, I know there's been a lot of talk of it being a consumer device in terms of consumption of content. I'm still very sold on the idea that it is going to be used as a development platform for AR apps that will eventually be used with you know Apple Glasses. Um, I feel like they're going to want to em- emphasize how developers can use this to make AR applications more easily. I think that's going to be a main talking point of this. And WWDC makes, you know, that's where you talk to developers. Makes sense. If they do that, you're right. There's going to need, they're, they're going to need to have some sort of in-person element to it. So they'll do the video, but they'll complement that video um, with that week before we see the event, inviting journalists from like The Verge, et cetera, to campus to play around with the headset so they can get their impressions. So Verge can make their videos on it. And then basically they'll air the WWDC event. And then later on that day after the event's finished, all these different tech outlets will post their videos of our impressions or our hands-on time with, you know, Apple Vision or whatever they're going to end up calling it. So it won't be like a necessarily a media event. It'll probably just be meeting individual journalists who have, past COVID tests and that kind of stuff. So it's safe to, to meet. You know, that's, that's very similar, or that is very similar to what they did for the iPhone event. So that they obviously had the the pre-produced video, but they also had, they have these certain stores, uh, these certain type of stores, they're like flagship stores, uh, and where the journalists come there and they have like this uh, hands-on room. It's in a controlled environment. Obviously there's not like customers walking around while they see the new iPhone 13, but that's what they did for the iPhone 13 uh, the iPhone and the one before that, I think even the iPad Pro, if I'm not mistaken, but there's one in New York. There's the new one in LA is one. And I think they even use Michigan Avenue in Chicago there sometimes as well. So 
I think it's that's what you're describing would make sense given the current conditions. I don't know if things will get better in the next four or five months, but you're you what you're saying makes sense because of timeline. You know, if it wasn't at WWDC, sorry, two W's, WWDC, when would it be? Like, when would they show that off? Like the best time, like what you're saying is that the best time to have people's captive attention, uh, developers who are really the, the target audience or who are the the presumed target audience for this type of product uh, because they need to develop the apps is at WWDC. So if it's not 2022, is it going to be 2023? And that just seems like maybe a, a far way off kind of from like a timing perspective. I think I think you're right. It's, it's a long way off. It's also, there's no product that they make that this would be, you know, stealing the thunder from. No one's going to be like, oh, I was going to buy an iPhone 14 this year, but Apple Vision's going to come out. Like, I don't know. I don't know who that that customer is. Apple Vision's not going to take away from anything Apple's doing in other uh, yeah. facets of the industry. They could do, I guess, the Apple Watch method where they do the September event where they show off the new phone, then show off the Apple Watch as the one more thing, and then say it's coming out next year. They could do that. I'm really making this point just because, and I'm kind of going against the grain of the rumor mill. The rumor mill is saying this is going to be a consumption device and they're going to talk about the games you can play on it and that kind of stuff. I just don't see that being the pitch for actually what I presume will be a um, thousand plus dollar headset, maybe up to two thousand dollars. It just it's to me, it feels like it's something that developers are going to use, especially with the quantity that they're going to be selling them in, where Apple's hmm. going with AR, um, with you know, rumored glasses. It just I don't know, like that's that seems to make sense to me. So I'm kind of going against the grain. It's my own speculation. <laughs> We've talked ourselves into it, out of it and then back into it again. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I don't know. I. This happens every time we talk where I could like I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see this. And then maybe like 10 minutes later. Or like halfway through the night, I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh no, I could see it going the other way. And then we're talking yeah. again and go back. So I think it could probably it can go either way. I do agree with what you're saying in terms of who the audience is, what's the intended message that they're going to be carrying or kind of delivering. And I do agree that we've seen both methods, you know, the WWDC with the MacBook Pro, sorry, the, the Mac Pro, and also the um, the Apple Watch in the September event of 2014 or 2015. I think the difference is what you're what you said in the beginning is that one event is geared towards the public, like people who are buying this product, and the other event is a gear towards developers. And it's not taking away, you know, showing this product off in June or whenever WWDC is uh, won't take away from the sales of anything. So and I think if they do it at the iPhone event or the fall event, it would be taking away from that. So I think you're onto something. We'll see. I think you are. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's, let's pencil that in. Uh, pencil that in. Holden, is there anything else that you want to talk about today? I did want to talk about that black Unity um, braided solo loop, but also the watch face. I love this Ooh, watch I, face. I, I, I do love the watch face as well. Uh, I did get the band. I actually haven't opened it yet. I just got it oh, yesterday cool. or today. Yeah, but it looks super cool. And so this is the... It's a very cool watch face. It is a very cool... Oh, do you have the band as well? No, no, I just have, I'm using the um, the um, Abyss Blue braided loop. I'm not going to buy the Oh, band, nice. But I really like the watch face a lot. It's very, very cool looking. It's the kind of watch face you just want to look at as it ticks. Yeah, it is very cool. Like it's uh, this, So I heard someone describe it as ray tracing. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, yeah. I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah. I, I think it's very cool. And, you know, I think it's very cool that Apple does 
uh, that they're invested this much in different communities and they want to bring attention to, I think, like not misrepresentation, but um, inequality is probably just the best way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's great that they do this. That's great. I I would love to see maybe not, not other watch faces or other bands, but maybe just more of a variety of things that you could support. So you have... You have the one for uh, Pride. You have this one, or the one for um, the Unity Watch Band. I just like to see other things. Like I think it'd be cool. Not that they should be willy nilly kind of supporting things, but I think it's it, it, they should be important causes. Yeah, like maybe doing like um, a pink braided loop for um, breast cancer. Awareness. Breast cancer. I think, I think there's actually yeah. is there a month for that? I think there is a month for that. It's October. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. So that, I mean, that would be cool. And uh, so I guess now in hindsight, they have the the product red one which is for uh hiv product red awareness i don't know i i I like them as well i think they're unique i do wish that they they sold the olympic bands in other places did you know they sold olympic bands no i had no idea every time they have a summer olympics they have a a set of watch bands that are available and in 2016 my father-in-law who works for a big media company he went to brazil for the olympics and he was there for like a month working and this was the Apple store in Brazil, in Rio, is the only place that they sold these Olympic bands for 35 days. And he bought me one. He bought my wife uh, one. And I had the United States. It's, it looks like, um, what was the old one with the clasp, but it was fabric? Oh, you know the, um, uh, was it Ni- not nylon? Was it the Sport Loop? No, th- uh, this is the Sport Loop. But you're right. I think it was nylon or something. Anyways, it was a United States American band. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was an Apple Watch band that had the United States flag on it. It was so cool looking. And one day I was like, I'm going to sell it. And I sold it because they're like impossible to find. And I regret it every day since. <laughs> it was just a stupid move. Like, I'm like, why did I do that? But yeah. And so they had them last summer in Japan. And they should have them the next Olympics as well because they have them all the time. I'll, I'll go to Japan for you. I'll get it for you. Olympic watch, Apple watch bands. Actually, when is when is when are the Olympics in twenty twenty four for Japan? So Japan was twenty twenty, which happened in twenty twenty one because of all that crazy stuff. Oh, oh, it was in the past. Okay, so you're saying the next one? Yes, yeah. in Japan. So I had this one. My wife has this one, which is Brazil. And then I think I bought the Italy one, but I, I sold that right away because I'm like, uh, I, I really didn't like the way that this looked. Anyways, it was the coolest band and I wish I wouldn't have sold it. And if you try, like you try to find them now on eBay, they're like hundreds of dollars. Of um, course. I'd say probably. What, when, it, when it originally came out, it was like 120 bucks. That's how the conversion worked. But now you buy them, it's like $300 because no one sells them. Yeah. You know, considering the Olympics is a worldwide event, kind of weird they don't sell those worldwide. So th- that's what I thought, but then I just saw this. So they have this one. They sold this last year, and I, I actually have this one. But I, I, for some reason, I thought they, were, they weren't they were sold last year everywhere. Maybe I was just mistaken. I guess I was mistaken. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> uh, so they had a whole bunch of different country ones like this. Hmm. So I'm excited about uh, this, the Unity Band. I can't wait to unbox it. Yeah, it looks really, really nice. I like that. I like the design a lot. I actually like it more than... The, the pride band because the pride band although I love it how it looks like the, the braided loop mm-hmm. one I'm so worried about having a white braided loop band so I think it would get so dirty mm-hmm. so I like this is like dark but it still has the pattern throughout it and it just it looks great it looks really really nice the the pride braided loop um I I don't think 
I don't think I really liked it. I have this braided or this pride band, which I think I like better. It's like an off white. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I do definitely like them. I'm I'm a watch band fanatic, like a collector. I collect a lot of things actually. <laughs> uh, anything else that you want to talk about today, Holden? That's all I can think about for for the day. For the day, awesome. Well, Holden, where can everyone find you at? I am occasionally on Twitter at Holden Depardo. As I always say, you're always better off following Michael. He's much more interesting on Twitter than I am. (laughs) Holden, thanks very much for joining me. Folks, we'll talk to you in the next one. Have a good night. See you.